Do you feel that comics beyond Marvel and DC like Dark Horse Image are bad overall? The harem stuff that goes on in a lot of anime, super cringe. <laughs> this is a big problem that I actually have. Where it's like, hey, we don't really like this main character because he's crying too much, kind of too much of a little bit. Hello, and welcome to the Mangaka Q&A podcast, where essentially I answer any questions regarding the manga, webtoon, anime, comics, intellectual property industries. For some background on me, I'm a professional manga and webtoon author specializing in the shonen space, but I've also done some stuff outside of shonen as well. Currently on my sixth serialization ongoing, which is honestly kind of crazy. My sixth serialization is actually coming out in July 15th, Samurai no Toro with Webtoon Original, which is pretty exciting. So let's get right into the questions. Today's first question is, what podcast do you recommend for drawing and writing? I don't listen to that many podcasts that are related to this. I listen to a lot of like self-help podcasts, honestly, but I would say this one. This one is the best one. I don't know. There's probably some good ones on animation. If I were you, I would also look up this YouTube channel. I think they're called Corridor. They do a lot of animation breakdowns, which I think, which I think is very useful. So I, I would check them out if you ever have the chance. How can I commission an artist if I haven't published anything? So you can commission an artist at any point in your career, right? That's actually how I recommend a lot of people start out building their portfolio. Because essentially, if you go to an artist and you haven't done anything yet, they're not going to trust you to want to do a project. So if you wanted to go to them to do a manga project, no artist is going to be like, yeah, I'm totally down. Your idea is great. Because if you haven't done anything, they don't know if one, you're going to market it. They don't know if you're going to finish it. They don't know if your ideas are going to execute correctly. They don't know if you can find a publisher. There's just all these things, right? And the artist is probably not going to trust you if you don't have a portfolio. So commissioning them is actually the best way to be like, hey, you don't have to trust me. I'm actually going to pay you for your time. In exchange, you know, you just forget that you don't really have any faith in me, right? So I think commissioning artists, you can do at any point in time. I would recommend starting off your career commissioning artists actually, rather than like partnering on projects because most artists won't partner with you unless you have a portfolio already established. Do you ever get into a funk when you present a manga idea but it gets rejected? Yeah, I get ideas rejected all the time. I actually had a scenario where I pitched like a ton of ideas. I'm talking like like 20 ideas and only half of them they were maybe interested in. It takes a certain part of yourself. You have to really set aside your ego as a creative because even if you really believe in something, there's a lot of scenarios where a lot of people don't believe in the projects, right? A good example is Squid Game. If you don't know, it's a Korean television show that was massive on Netflix, but it took this creator like many years to get it created because a lot of producers did not believe in his project. There's there's this part of you that always has to know like it's not you, it's them sometimes. Sometimes the producers and the people who are greenlighting series don't actually know what's good. On the flip side, they're the ones who are ultimately the gatekeepers of whether or not you're going to get funding or not usually. You really do have to set aside your ego. You can't let their critique or their dismissal of your project really put you down. Because if you let it put you down, then you're going to lose momentum. And if you lose momentum, you're never going to put something out, right? You get into a little bit of a funk when you get your idea rejected. It always hurts when you're like, wow, I really believed in this idea and they didn't believe in it. Is it bad? Am I bad? It's easy to go into that viral. But instead of doing that, the healthy way to do it is think about they didn't like it for X, Y, Z reasons. Hopefully you can get some feedback on why they didn't like it. How can I create something that's better and elevated as a concept? I'm not going to throw away the idea that I had. Maybe I'll come back to it later. But how can I come to them with a new idea that's better aligned to what they're looking for. So I think being flexible in your creative process in terms of ideation and what kind of concepts you're pitching and coming up with, super important. And it's a good skill to have controlling your mental battle when you get rejected. Getting rejected is a part of life, guys, not just for pitches. It's about part of life, girls, jobs, friends, everything's rejection. So getting used to rejection as a creative is super important. How to find artists and make contract with them. <laughs> How do you find an artist? I just find my artists a lot on social media or from projects that I see that are online. 
online, I usually just like see an artist, they post some stuff. I'm like, wow, that's really great. Let me just DM them. Even if we're not going to work together in the immediate, I just make friends just because down the line, you never know when you need an artist for a specific project. So I always make friends just as an ongoing process. And then eventually one day I'm like, hey, I need a colorist. You down to color? Hey, I need a lead artist for this kind of goofy series. And your art style is kind of goofy and fun. So would you be interested? Like stuff like that. I think building your network is a part of, once again, not just art specific or not just specific to manga and webtoons. It's important for any career. So I think if I were you guys always focusing on network, that's actually a skill that I learned when I was in finance and technology for all this manga webtoon stuff happened. I used to work in that field and network was a super big part about like climbing the ladder and getting the projects that you wanted to do. So it pertains here. It pertains in every facet of your life. Network, super important. Do you feel that comics beyond Marvel and DC like Dark Horse Image are bad overall? I don't think they're bad. I think there's a lot of bad content out there. Here's the thing. I won't say it's bad. I would say it's content that is not going to fit the current meta. The current meta being what people are interested in right now. So a lot of creators that are in the traditional comic space create for themselves. They don't create for the market. What does the market create right now? There's a lot of Western comic book lovers still that will still consume this type of content. But the majority of people in the West internationally are shifting toward more Eastern side of storytelling. And that's because of the rise of anime, that's a rise of manga, rise of webtoons, incorporating some aspect of that into your story. Eastern inspired storytelling just happens to do well. And so you see a lot of comic book companies, Dark Horse included, that are leaning into manga, super hard into manga. And they realize that, yo, this is not going away. This is not just a fad. It's getting bigger. Korean culture, Japanese culture, Chinese culture, it's coming in. It's taking over a lot of what is in Western entertainment. Hopefully the Western entertainment field does not lose its identity at any point. But if we look at, you know, what used to be traditional Western entertainment, Disney not doing so great. They've been flopping on every, every front. Like Wes Anderson just put out this movie, got terrible reviews. And then you see like anime and all this stuff like popping into theaters. Like the popularity of comics is shifting and it's shifting a lot more towards Eastern creators and Eastern storytelling. So I wouldn't say that Western creators are bad in terms of Western comic book companies. I would say they're creating stories that a lot of Gen Z and a lot of younger people are not going to care about, honestly, which isn't bad. We always need projects that are that are different from if everyone did traditional manga and webtoons, then there would just be too much. So we always need a little bit of everything. How do you make characters likable? This is a big problem that I actually have is that I really like making characters underdogs to the point where you might not even like them as a main character. And I've been getting this feedback from my editors a lot where it's like, hey, we don't really like this main character because he's crying too much, kind of too much of a little bit. Good example would be God Game. At the beginning of my series, God Game, the main character is a total wuss. And the readers don't like him for the first, I want to say 20 to 30 chapters, which is a long time to not like a main character. I'm a really big fan of the buildup. So it's like, yeah, you're building up his character and you're you're doing things that eventually make him redeem himself and eventually transform him into the complete badass so that when you look at episode one versus episode 70, you see a complete transformation of his character. What I did wrong is that I you don't want to make him dislikable. If you don't like the main character, people are going to click off. And, and the most important part, obviously, of these these webtoons and manga is that the first three chapters, if you lose the readers at the beginning, then they're never going to get to the point where they find your character actually likable. So my mistake with God Game was not making Rayan, the main character, likable enough at the start. How do you make them likable? I would say like doing actions that are just likable actions, showcasing like selflessness, bravery, being badass, all that stuff. So for me, in that case, like Rayan is an underdog. He showcases some aspects of like selflessness, 
morality, all that stuff. But it's maybe not enough to get you to be like, wow, this character, I'm, you know, I, I love him because he's just so weak at the start. So I think like if you're going to make your character weak in some aspects, you have to really rise them up in some other aspects. Like if your character is physically weak and sucks, you want to level up his bravery, his persistence and his morality so that it exceeds the downsides that he has, right? You want to make him more likable than he is dislikable. That's that's the main advice I would give you guys. And this is something I only learned within the last couple of months, honestly, because I love writing characters that are either weak or kind of like you kind of hate them at the start and then you start to like them later on. I'm starting to realize that in manga and webtoons, like some of the readers might not get to the point where they're likable. It's just better to keep them off as likable. And if you want to keep them weak, raise them up in some other way so that the readers don't completely hate them. What are the worst kind of tropes? I think overpowered dungeon stories are kind of annoying to me and primarily in the webtoon space, but also in the isekai manga space is like, it just all feels the same. I would say like the harem stuff that goes on in a lot of anime, super cringe. I don't know. There's just a lot of tropes, honestly, and a lot that, that are exploited in a lot of isekai web novel, Korean fantasy webtoons that are just kind of like an ick to me. And I try and stray as far away from that as possible, but it's tough because that's what's popping. A lot of people love that stuff. So again, this is, these are like tropes that people love. For me, it's kind of like eating McDonald's. It's like, okay, I'm reading this fantasy manhwa with the same overpowered main character that is going back in time to fix his old world after the apocalypse, right? And he's like a dungeon hero. And because he knows what happens in the future, he's overpowered in the present. That is so cringe to me because there was this one time where I was scrolling through Webtoon just to see like if there were any projects that could inspire me for a new project. And I read six different Webtoons, all dungeon isekai fantasy action series. And they all had the same premise, which is I'm a weak main character at the end of the world. I get a chance to go back in time and fix everything. And now I'm an overpowered dungeon hero. I'm like, bro, this is literally the same project made by six different studios. And the worst part is the art style is also all the same. So I'm like, damn, this is not innovative. And if it's not innovative, not really worth doing in my opinion. How do you make backgrounds in a webtoon? Great question. So I'm not an artist, I'm a writer producer, but I'm pretty involved in the process. So backgrounds can usually be like hand drawn. You don't really wanna do that. You can do photo bashing, which is when you take a photo of something and then kind of like make it seem somewhat manipulated so that it's, it's, it's it looks real, but it's also like not real, right? Because if you put like a hand drawn character over a realistic photo, it looks kind of weird. So you kind of manipulate it using filters and all that stuff. There's also a very common, done in webtoons is use 3D backgrounds and 3D backgrounds are like assets that you can get from like Clip Studio Marketplace. You just buy those, you click and drag. So if you have an asset of like a construction site, you can click and drag and put your characters inside of a 3D asset, which is quite nice. The tough thing about that is as a writer and a creator, if you have a 3D asset, you have to also work within the limitations of your 3D assets. So if you have 3D assets and you only have an X amount of budget, it's actually imperative that you work within the budget. So I, so if I was like, okay, I only have this forest scene and I have a river and a lake, but I don't have a mountain, then I can't write any scenes about mountains and I want to keep the entire scene and the entire sequence within the forest and the river scene, which just means that I can't write any scenes about a mountain if I want to stay within budget. So that's just something to think about when I'm producing also is like knowing what kind of background assets that we have in store. Ideally, we invest the money, but this is just for some scenarios where you want to cut back on some part of your budget. Tracing a reference photo of yourself and adding details to it is considered cheating. 
cheating? No, I don't think that's considered cheating. I think reference photos is used in most aspects of, of everything. I think everyone in manga uses references. I think everyone in that's growing up as an artist uses uses references 100%. I think in animation, even there's side by sides where animators will actually film themselves doing certain actions where they move around and stuff. Then they'll animate the scene exactly like how they did the action, which is exactly what you, what you said, a reference. And that's not cheating at all. Don't worry about that. Uh, this episode is getting a little bit long, so I will end this Q&A here. If you have any other questions, guys, make sure to leave comments anywhere that you're seeing this. So you can leave it on social media. I'm inspired author everywhere. Wherever you're watching this, drop a like, share it. Hopefully you guys found this Q&A a little bit informative. I'm posting one of these every single week. So hopefully you guys learned a lot. Once again, if you're interested in any of my projects, check them out. Brandon Chen everywhere. Check it out. Peace.